Hey guys, so this is Kaya with Notes by Kaya, the podcast, and welcome to another episode. So last week, hopefully you tuned in, um, we talked about my personal story with suicide, how I overcame that, where I am right now, and today I want to give you some tips in case your child um, expresses that they are suicidal. And let me just say, this is for anybody in your life that might express that. So not just your child, but your friend, a coworker, your student. I'm going to tell you some very important things to remember if you are ever unfortunately faced with that situation. And also give you some kind of myth and versus fact kind of things today. So, um... Having a child that expresses that they are suicidal is extremely difficult. I understand that, and I want to make sure that I make that clear, that it is not an easy thing to deal with. It's easy to blame yourself. Um, It is easy to get defensive. But please, please, please um, listen closely to what I'm telling you. And the reason that I shared my story and how all of that happened first was that so you know, I am not just telling you something that I read out of a book. I am telling you, I mean, yes, I read in a book too. Um, We'd agreed over here, but also my personal experience and how my parents' response affected me. And it really closed off our relationship and our ability to talk about those kinds of things, which ultimately just isolates you when you feel like the people I should be able to talk to, I can't. And with them, like I shared before, and I'm not going to reshare the whole story, but like with them, I already felt like they were going to be upset and act in a certain way. And then they did exactly that. So it made it super uncomfortable to have that conversation with them. So let me just share with you. Um, I have dealt with not only my own suicide story, but working in a school, an elementary school, middle school, and then working with teenagers in other realms. I have had students talk to me about their suicidal ideations all the time, and it starts very young. So the first thing that I want to tell you is don't dismiss what they're saying just because of their age. So I've had a five-year-old tell me that she was suicidal. Do I believe that she fully, fully understands exactly what she was saying? No, I don't think that at five, they really have that concept of death being permanent. Um... But I think that she knew that there was something in her life that she felt out of control of and didn't want to deal with it anymore. And to her, the answer was death, unfortunately. I have not been able to keep in contact with that child, unfortunately. Um, But I know that the last time that I worked with her, she was doing better. But I just want to share with you, like, I have seen children that young that have made these expressions and it's really easy to say oh you don't even know what that is but what they do know is that there is something that I want to end and the only escape 
that I see or that I feel at the moment that's going to help is death. And that is where suicidal thoughts stem from. So just don't dismiss them because of how old they are. Um, it does make a difference. And we'll talk more in depth. I have a full episode coming later about um, stress with children and recognizing that and all of that um, coming later. But understand that children go through emotional stress as well just like we do as adults it doesn't start like the day that you turn 18 now all of a sudden you experience emotional stress that's just not how it works so when they're saying this I don't care how old they are I don't care if they're three it's something that's very serious to take into consideration and to watch all of the signs and make sure that you have those supports locked and loaded and ready to go Um, the next thing that I will say is listen to their reason. Don't be so quick to be defensive and tell them what reasons they have to not commit suicide. That's not helpful. Um, but what you can do is say, okay, why are you feeling that way right now? And maybe even a step deeper, what is it that you would like to escape or what is it that you would like to change that you feel like suicide is the only answer? Because when you're telling them, oh, but you have this, but you have that. Let me just explain what suicide is like to you. I explained this when I was on a panel sometime last year. Um, Thank you to LuxGen for allowing me that opportunity to speak twice on their panels, and hopefully more will be able to come after the pandemic is over. But being suicidal is being... The best way that I can describe it is being in this dark hole and maybe you know that there are other people, other things in the room that would make your life better, but you just can't seem to see them because there's so much darkness and it doesn't matter that I have a house, I have a job, I have a car, I have money, I have whatever else that people think should make you not want to commit suicide. However, um, in that darkness, you can't see any of that. None of that matters. So someone else coming and telling you, oh, but you have this, this, and this to be grateful for, and you have so much going for yourself. Yeah, but I don't feel that right now. Right now, I don't see any of that. And it doesn't mean a damn thing to me. Sorry. Sometimes I'm going to cuss on this podcast. I just need to let y'all know right now that I'm not going to censor every single episode. I'm going to try to keep it at a minimum, but I can't make any promises. So anyway, yeah, so that's not helpful. And on the same token, do not make it about yourself. I cringe so much. When I hear people say things like, um, oh, but we would miss you so much. Why would you do that to us? Things like that. It's not about you. Okay. I understand that you would miss this person, but their wanting to leave this earth is so much more important right now at this moment. And you making it about yourself and trying to guilt trip them into not doing it is not helpful. Yeah, just stop saying that. <laughs> it, it's not a deterrent. Yeah, so just stop doing it. it. It's simple as that. To anyone, it really can make the situation worse. So just cut it out. Okay, so let's go into some myths 
versus facts before I share some do's that you can do. Um, first myth is that hearing about suicide puts it in someone's mind or um, that that's why they're saying they're suicidal. And that's just not true. So if the thought was not already there, and there has been research done on this, like I'm not making this up, if the thought was not already there or they were not already in a depressed state, hearing about someone else's suicide is not going to make it worse. Now, what I will say is that if you have been suicidal, you have been depressed, and maybe, yes, when you hear about that, it can put you in that state of mind. And that's why people always put like trigger warnings on things like that. It's not necessarily like if I was never depressed, never suicidal, then hearing about someone else's suicide is not going to necessarily um, make me want to do that. But since I have had those experiences and with me it really doesn't happen too often there's been a couple times where I might have to turn away from something or you know whatever to keep my thoughts from going all the way to the dark but for the most part I'm good but I try to always be aware of others as well um let's talk about cutting real quick so just because someone cuts does not necessarily mean that they want to commit suicide cutting um and I shared that I did cut a little bit not very long not a whole lot a lot of times I was scared of the pain and <laughs> so my cuts were not very deep or anything like that cutting is I don't even know how to explain where this idea comes from, but it's obviously a very common thought process that when you are dealing with a lot of emotional stress and you feel stuck and you feel uh, all this pressure, then a lot of times it's like, maybe if I inflict physical pain, then the emotional pain won't hurt so much. Or um, sometimes it is a release for people. Um, so when you do that, it can try to be careful about my words, y'all. Um, but when you do that, it's almost like you can breathe a little bit. And I'm not at all saying this is a viable option or that. I'm not suggesting this at all, but I'm just explaining for people who don't know and don't understand that cutting a lot of times is just an alternative to emotional pain. Some alternatives, if you have a child that sometimes cuts, um, I've seen work rubber bands on the wrist. You just have to be very careful because that can become a self-harm tool as well. Maybe something that they can pull on or squeeze when they feel that, but replacing it with something else that is not physically harmful can help. I mean, for some students, I would say, or some children, I would say maybe having a rubber band on the wrist that they can pull and pop but at the same time like I said that can become a self-harm tool as well and so we don't want to replace self-harm with self-harm what we want to do is give them an alternative to where they can still feel that escape still feel that release but at the same time not be mutilating themselves another myth is that suicidal thoughts 
there's a video that's on YouTube and may and I'll try to remember to link this in the description um, so that you can view it but basically she's talking about how having suicidal thoughts is not always equal being suicidal and I know to those who have not felt it that sounds like the craziest thing like what are you talking about but there are moments where I feel like suicide would be much easier than the things that I'm going through. Then I wouldn't have to deal with any of the stress, any of the things that are tearing my life apart, or I feel like they're tearing my life apart. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to kill myself. I don't want to necessarily die. I just want this pain, this stress, or whatever else is causing it at the time. I want that to stop. And at the moment, it feels like nothing else will work except for being dead, being gone. Sometimes it feels like my everyone else around me would be better off without me here. But they don't love me anyway. They don't care. Um, or that I've caused them a lot of stress. And so it would be much better on them if I wasn't here. However, that doesn't always necessarily mean that I want to kill myself. Sometimes suicidal thoughts are fleeting and they come one minute and then they're gone the next. I can't even tell you how many times in the last month I've thought about it. But I was never to the point where I actually had a plan and was going to do it. And that's very important as well, that when someone doesn't have a plan, it doesn't necessarily mean that they won't and that you shouldn't take it seriously. But what it means is they haven't gotten that far. And that's a good thing. So I do suicide assessments all the time. And one of the things that I ask is, do you have a plan? And I kind of know from there what we can do. If they don't have a plan, then I most likely would not say, okay, you need to go inpatient. I might just say, okay, we need to implement these few things to help you regulate your thoughts a little bit. Let's get into some news. So do be supportive. And I know that that can be hard. It can be hard to do because you don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. Sometimes you don't need to say anything. Sometimes you just need to sit with a person, be available to them, maybe send some kind notes every now and then. Um, but being supportive a lot of times means not doing all those things on the don't list that I listed earlier. It means saying, you know, even if, like, if you haven't been there, I don't understand what you're going through. Please don't lie and tell people that you understand when you don't. But I'm here for you if you need me. Understand that a lot of times you can say until you're blue in the face, please call me if you get to this point. Say that if you're actually going to be available and supportive in those moments, then you can let them know that. Um, but understand. If there comes a time where they do reach out, you need to be there. And I will give this example that one of my students was suicidal. And I said, listen, I, I don't care. Here's my cell phone number. You text me if you need me. And she happened to text me and reach out. And it was one in the morning. I didn't care. And I stopped absolutely everything else to tend to her. And that is what we need sometimes. It's not somebody saying, oh, I'm tired. I, you know, I understand that, but my life is on, on the line right now. So 
um, if you're actually going to be there, then yes, say that. Let them know that you are a person available, but I need you to actually be there if you say that. Let's go back and talk about signs and um, things to look for. So isolating is a number one thing. Personality changes. So if your child used to be extremely happy and bright and all of that, and you see that dying down, that is a concern. I understand that sometimes teenagers go through this like weird thing with their hormones and all that stuff and they get into like this emo mode, right? But um, checking in on them consistently and taking note of those things and also understanding that sometimes they're not teenagers when they're having these thoughts. So if your first grader seems to be going through all these crazy changes and things, then you probably should reach out and get some kind of help or support. Also, changes in eating habits, changes in appetite, changes in sleep patterns, not being interested in things that they used to really get joy from is a major one. So if your child loved nothing but to paint, but all of a sudden now they don't want to paint anything and they don't want to even look at paintbrushes or whatever, um, that is a major sign that there may be something wrong. But definitely when you see these things, don't go into panic mode, okay? Just reach out for guidance, for help if you need to get them into therapy. Start the conversation. Um, you have to ask the question directly. If you are concerned about your child being suicidal, there is no such thing as beating around the bush at all. Because when you tiptoe around it, you give them loopholes to deny. So if I am talking with a student and I'm doing an assessment and I say, have you ever had any thoughts of hurting yourself? Then they might say yes. They might say no. They might read into that question in a way that gives them an ability to give you the answer that they think rather than a direct answer. And sometimes they will give you a direct answer with questions like that, but I try not to give any loopholes at all if I can. So the direct question, are you thinking about suicide? Have you thought about suicide? Do you have a plan to kill yourself? Direct questions. And it is hard to ask those questions. Trust me, when I first started, it was difficult for me too. Um, but it's so important because you have to know, you have to know those exact thoughts because they might say, no, I haven't thought about hurting myself. I've thought about killing myself, but they're probably not going to tell you. And the more timid that you are with getting into those questions, the less they're going to feel comfortable with telling you. I really love the work that I do and I really hate that, you know, kids have to or adults, anyone ever deals with any kind of suicidal thoughts. Right. But I work so well with those people um, and I love doing the work and seeing that transformation at the end. I will never, ever, ever forget. I was working. I really I hadn't been in the mental health field that long at all. I was a case manager and there was this lady. She was an older lady. I want to say she was like mm, older than 60. And um, she was self-mutilating, but not by cutting. Um, extremely depressed. Just the darkest little soul. And she would come in with her head low. Um, and 
I'll tell you this because I, I need you to understand that self-mutilation is more than cutting. She would wrap her hair, a strand of her hair around her finger so tight that it was cutting off circulation. And I could see the indentions. And it was the saddest thing. Eventually, I got her to open up. She stopped doing that with her hair. She wasn't suicidal anymore. Um, and she just opened up this bright personality. Um, when she first came in, uh, she hadn't been eating. But she started to put on weight to the point I was like, okay, hold, hold on, girl. <laughs> it's like... I'm glad that you're eating now, but let's chill. Let's get some more healthy choices in there and stuff like, but that transformation is one that I will never, ever in my life forget. And I thank God so much for allowing me to be a part of her journey. That transformation was the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen. That's why I've chosen to continue this work with families because a lot of times parents just don't know. They don't know what to say, especially if they've never been depressed. They've never dealt with any of these things. They think they're being helpful and they're not. And a lot of times it's their own feelings and pride and ego getting all in the mix when all that has to go out the door. There is no room for that here. Because your child's life is on the line, literally. So there is absolutely no room for you to be in your feelings about it. And when my father did that to me, <laughs> it, it ruined everything. When what he could have done, because my mom told him, even though I asked her not to, but what he could have done at that moment was say, hey, your mom told me she didn't want, that you didn't want her to tell me what happened. But I'm coming to tell you that I love you and I care about you. And I'm so sorry that I've ever, if I've ever had anything to do with you feeling that way. I love you and I support you. And let's see what we need to do to turn this around. But instead, he made it about him, which was the worst thing that he could have done. And, well, I won't say it's the worst thing that he could have done, but it, it wasn't helpful at all. And for me, in my situation, it was the worst thing he could have done for me. Listen, you can be upset and frustrated and confused and all of that. Get, get help for you, too. And that's my next do, is get them, in, get them help and support professional help and support do not drag them to the pastor to break this out of them and I'm not even joking I do not it's not it's it's way too serious for that and I, I, I want to make it clear just like I said on last episode that at one point where I thought it was done calling out Jesus name was the only thing that got me through in that moment. However, after that, I had a lot of work to do that I really didn't even start doing until now. <laughs> yeah, please get them professional help because that what you don't need is a pastor coming in and saying, oh, it's just the devil, it's just demons, it's just, no, this is real. And not saying the demons and all that stuff is not real, but what I'm saying is, 
what you don't want is someone religious acting like this isn't something serious that doesn't understand how the mind works doesn't understand how emotions work and how all of that plays into different things please go to a therapist send them to a therapist okay and then you get your support too and that's what i'm here for so my healthy parenting one-on-one that's what it's there for is to help parents learn how to support their child when they're going through things like this so that I can teach you number one how to communicate with that child what things to say and not say and I also include the child in our session so that you all can see what is really going on okay so um, and I'll just say nosebuckhide.com is where you can find information on booking those sessions with me but this this is so 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 important to me so important that I really want that to be the focus of healthy parenting from here on out to be honest because so many parents just they just don't know and you make these mistakes and suicide is final you don't get another chance you don't get an opportunity to take what you said back you don't get a chance to oh they were serious yeah now they're gone so that's why I say have those uncomfortable conversations because it is much better. I promise you to go through that uncomfortable conversation now than have to deal with that grief later. Because with that grief comes guilt and so many other things that you can't even imagine. And I don't want you to have to. So in all seriousness, if your child has come to you and said, I am depressed. I am suicidal. If the school has come to you and said, hey, your child said this, we had to get an assessment done, whatever, whatever, contact me. Let's work this thing out because they need your love and support more than anything in the world. And if you are not prepared for that or you don't have the tools for that, it can be detrimental. And your family is is worth it. Let's try to do a quick recap. Um, be supportive. Get them help if they need a professional mental health assistance. Get support for yourself by going to nosebykaya.com and booking that discovery call so that we can do this. And yes, absolutely pray for your child. But that professional help is important too. I cannot tell you how many times I have seen religion drive this wedge between parent and child because it, they just don't see it but it's important extremely important so um be supportive as much as you can watch your words watch what you say it's all about being mindful and putting that relationship first talk to them ask direct questions even if you are just concerned after listening to this episode and you're like I wonder if my child ever has thought about this go ask them open that door but be sure that you're opening a supportive door and not one that's going to shame them and well why didn't you tell me did it ah it's not about you sorry it's not so if you're going to ask them do so and be careful about the words that follow Okay. Of course, if you have questions or anything that you would like me to answer concerning this topic or anything else concerning children's mental health 
or mental health at all that you would like me to answer even just to you or that you would like me to cover on the podcast, you can email it to podcast at notesbykaya.com and I will definitely do that for you. Once again, notesbykaya.com for you to book these sessions with me. And it's not a joke. It's not a game. It's not anything to play with. It's serious, very serious. Let's get into our parenting and media segment. I'm not Rebecca's mother. If you want to live with her rules, fine. Go live in her house. Okay, so for today's parenting and media segment, um, I don't know if anybody else has been obsessing over the 90s shows, 90s and 2000s shows being put on Netflix, but I started watching One on One again, and I was just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I love that show, um, and it just was interesting to me, you know, watching Flex, the dad, try to build this relationship with his daughter, his teenage daughter, and very confused on the role between how do I be a father and how do I be a friend. And I think that a lot of parents deal with this. For him, it was mostly because he didn't have her full time. So it's very different when you're like, ooh, my baby's coming and I just want to spend all this great time with them. But it's different than being a full time parent with them, right? So I wanted to just highlight that sometimes it can be difficult to balance the two. And, you know, people always say, oh, I don't, I'm not your little friend, you know, different things like that. But sometimes your kid does need you to be that a little bit to build that relationship, a relationship where your child respects you, but then at the same time, can feel comfortable sharing with you and feels comfortable with like going out with you and things like that and is proud to say this is my parent this is my mom this is my dad and so I think it's important to find a balance between the two so that you can have this good relationship where you're not pushing this I'm your parent I'm your parent I'm your parent yes we know okay you don't need to remind us every day Every two seconds, we know, but also there is, you know, and that grows over time with being able to be friends um, and being able to build a more friendly relationship. And so I'm not saying that you're going to be BFFs with your five-year-old. However, there should be a level of comfort with them being able to come and tell you whatever it is, good or bad, and share with you because they do feel there's a relatability there. And I just feel like, especially in Black families, we've been so focused on building such a wall that they're not telling you anything. And that's not good. You want to know things, okay? You want to know what temptations they have. You want to know what things they deal with at school. You want to know those things. Trust me. But when you're so focused on, you need to respect me, like, that doesn't work. So it was just interesting watching that first episode again and just seeing his major, major struggles with, okay, how do I balance this? And then with Brianna having to 
learn, okay, I'm not an adult. Like, I like for my parent to treat me as if I am and give me some independence, but I don't need all those responsibilities. That was interesting, and I just wanted to bring that up because I feel like it is such a struggle. It's just very important to find a line, a dynamic that works for you to where your child is not keeping things from you all the time, but is also respectful of you in the relationship and the dynamic. So if you have any media clips or anything that you want me to talk about on the show and react to, just email those to podcast at knowsbykaya.com. Okay, well, that wraps up another episode of Notes by Kai, the podcast. I thank you so much for your love and support, especially with last week's episode. That was very difficult for me to get through, but I truly appreciate it. Once again, if you have questions or anything that you would like me to discuss on the show, email those to podcast at nosebykai.com. I will also let you know that um, before we had it set to where episodes would go out on Fridays, but we're actually going to move that to Wednesdays. That will give us a little bit more time to discuss and engage about the episode on social media and it just works better. So look for new episodes on Wednesdays please be sure to share subscribe leave comments where you can and give us a great review talk to you next week bye